Yo, this is Pastor Tito, and welcome to another episode of the Revolutionary Podcast. mentioned with this idea of being a revolutionary in the way that we are to examine how and what do we revolve our lives around? What do we revolve our faith around? And today we're going to look and we're going to look at something that could be very challenging. Now I might leave you with more questions and answers, and but that's a good thing if you keep pursuing Christ because Part of growing in our maturity of God is learning to refine what we revolve ourselves in. There's just certain things that when we look at it, it just seems too plain or too like we've beaten it to death, right? And last week was just one of those. And you heard it there. It was talking about eternal life and talking about Jesus loves you and he died on the cross. I'm like, I, yeah, I, I learned it. I knew the song, right? Jesus loves me. This I know, right? I got it. Can we not go into something else, something deeper? Something more spectacular instead of the simple things that Jesus died on the cross. And um, I shared that sense of um, my, not my fear, but, oh yeah, I guess, you know, to the sense of, man, I know I, for a lot of people it's hard because there's a lot of us that want to learn more and do more. But the reality that I challenge you with is the thing is that the things like that we are called to look deeper into. And, and grow, and, and there is more to know. So there's a truth to that. There's a truth when we come to know certain things, when you and I, when we look at this, when we come to know what God is or what the verses say, right? There's a sense of, okay, I got it, but what else? No, but the thing is, is that the more you look into it, there is more inside. But maybe you can't see it with the, your naked eye or where you are right now with the lens that you have. I mean, it's very much like uh, telescopes and microscopes, right, the way they work. Right, right now, online, you can look at something, anything. And here, look, guys, look around. You can look at a, this chair. You see the chair. But you think you see the chair. But it, under a microscope, you're going to see things that you could not see, but it's there. And you just got to look into it more. Same thing, right? You can look at your hand. And your hand, you think that there's all there is. But the more when you put it under a microscope, you're going to see things that weren't there before. And what's crazy is that the more powerful the lens, the more it goes in, right? The more deeper, the more you see the details. And so for right now, you know, it's been pretty cool when every time in science we think, oh, wow, look at this new lens and we see something new that has to be the bottom of it. And then years later, we get another more powerful lens and it goes even, who's like, there's still more? There's still more? Like, I wonder, I actually wonder if there is a bottom. You know, I wonder. You know, when it comes to God, I bet, does it just continue to go into new things? So, but, and the same thing works with a telescope, right? Have you guys been uh, amazed by some of the new pictures coming out with the telescope that they just launched not too long ago, right? Did you guys see the new pictures of old pictures that we had? And the Hubble telescope had some amazing pictures, right? And now we look at the new telescope and we're seeing, whoa, look at the details. Same picture, same angle. Look at the details that we couldn't even see before and it was there all along colors that we didn't think were there right and even us you look up into the sky and all you see is black and, and here in florida maybe you got like four stars right here in tampa so you could count maybe four or five stars 
And then you just see darkness. But if you look at that same spot with a better, more powerful lens, what do you see? Things that were not that, that you didn't think were there, but it's all there. And so, guys, the truth of the matter is, is that for a lot of us, and I think it is so cool compared to what we did last week or we look at this week. There's a lot of times we look at God and we see him. And I'm like, all right, yeah, God loves me. This I know. Bible told me so. He died on the cross. Okay, that's cool. And that's it. Or we look at Bible verses and we think, okay, I read it. I think I get the understanding. Cool, moving on. But the reality is, is that the more we look into it, the more we see. And the more we look at him and even the things of the love of God. Guys, I want you to know I fail every single week. I know that. I fail every single week to explain to you and to reveal and to speak on God. I fail every single week because there is not enough words that can paint the picture, the perfect picture of who God is. Even my saying of God loves you is true. It's true. But it's not enough. Because the love of God is something so beyond words and beyond that. But hey, we do it all the time and it's the Holy Spirit then who is the lens and it's the cross who is the lens that allows us to pierce even more and to grow in that knowledge of who he is, what he's done, and what he wants to do in our lives today. And so we're going to look at that, guys. As this, this is a very interesting text. I was actually really excited to be able to look at this and linger with you guys because this one's weird, okay? And so I kind of like the weird stuff because these are things that you probably read, make assumptions on, move on, and and so this one's a cool one, all right? And so here we're going to look, guys, at the fact that there is more to explore when we look at the text and when we look at God with our own natural eyes and we need the lens of the Spirit in order to see the simple truths magnified and even bigger. And so we are going to look at Acts chapter 19. We're going to read 11 verses, but we're going to chunk it up because there's, it's a crazy story. And so we're going to uh, chunk it up. And this one's pretty cool. So there's going to be four extraordinary things that we're going to see, right? Again, it's it, the, the same thing with telescopes and microscopes. The more you look at something, the more you realize there's extra, there's more to it, right? It's amazing the more you look. You know, it's, it's just super cool how God has made the world. And so we're going to look at four extraordinary things. We're going to look at the extraordinary miracles of God. We're going to look at the extraordinary failures of some exorcists. That's an interesting one. We're going to look at the extraordinary conversion of the Ephesians and then the extraordinary experience that we as believers can have today. So let's go all the way back, look at the text, and see why it matters. So let's read the first section. So we can put it on the screen online. I got you, everybody here. Let's read Acts 11. I'm sorry, Acts 19, starting at verse 11. Where we picked up where we left off, Paul has, uh, is in this new place. He just got back in Ephesus, and something new is happening through Paul. That hadn't happened before, so let's read. God was performing, there's that word, right? Extraordinary miracles by Paul's hands. Guys, pause for a minute as you're looking at the text online, read the text. Who's doing the miracle? God is. Luke is really cautious here. Now, God is using Paul. But it is God who is doing the extraordinary miracles by Paul's hands. So that, an example, even the face, the face cloths or aprons that had touched Paul's skin were brought to the sick and the disease left them. And even evil spirits came out of them. Okay, pause. See, you see why we got to, I'm going to just, you know, we're going to, uh, I'm your tour guide. All right. So we're going to stop at that point and let's, and let's explain. To your left, we're going to see some weird things. All right. And so, so we can look up here now. So here's the thing, guys. Here we see extraordinary miracles that God is doing. 
Now, that word is unique because for those of us who have been hanging out with me for at least a couple weeks, and uh, for the most part in this year as we've been studying Acts, this, something is happening here that hasn't happened before. Now, Luke has documented, because the whole book of Acts is nothing but the, the documentary of the origin story of the church. That's what the book of Acts is. It's the origin story. And so there has been moments when some weird things have happened, and God has used some individuals, Peter at first, to do some signs and wonders and miracles. There was Peter's shadow sometimes would, would fall on a sick person, and they would get healed. And, you know, again, it wasn't Peter. Peter wasn't doing it on purpose. Dude was just walking, and God was just doing something. He didn't mean to do it. And so sometimes we've seen some very weird things. Now it's happening to Paul. Paul is kind of, I'm very cautious to kind of say that Paul is leveled up because there is something now unique that is happening in Paul's life ever since we talked about last week, ever since the Holy Spirit came down on Paul in the way that it, that it happened to the apostles. And so there's something unique here. And that's why Paul, Luke used the word extraordinary because the word extraordinary means not usual. This is out of the box. There's some things that God is doing in this city that are just flat out weird. And then he gives a weird example, right? So Paul is a, is a tent maker by trade. That's what he does to kind of make a living. And so Paul goes, and he, as a tent maker, dude's sweating a lot. And so literally what, what he's saying here is that Paul's sweat rags, his headbands, the things that he would do to kind of, you know, clean up and wash up as he's working with the whatever his materials are his apron the things that were touching his skin he would chuck it to the side right and he would go and and people would take it and they would touch people and they would be healed could you imagine paul every time he's coming back from the dry cleaner saying yo where's my stuff right where's my stuff he comes back the next day to his shop where's all my rags where's my apron see guys i want you to know paul did not do this on purpose he didn't now ship his rags and things that he's touched to go to different people to be healed. This is happening outside of his knowledge. Now, I say that because you've probably heard in the past, depending on how long you've been a Christian, there's people who have done this thing. I was like, hey, I have, I've heard somebody. Oh, my gosh. I have heard someone who he, he, he kind of like sanctifies certain water, bottles the water, sells it online, and if you drink it, you're, you're healed. And there's been cloths and napkins and handkerchiefs that people sell for, for a fee of, you know, for $10.99. Here you go. Guys, that's not Paul. Now, people do that. That's messed up. I, I, I don't co-sign on that. But the thing is that we're seeing Paul, God, doing some very weird things in this city. And the thing is that and when you look at the context of Ephesus, it kind of makes a little bit of sense. Because what the Ephesians were known for, they were big on idolatry, but they were big in magic. These guys were big in magic, all right? I mean, magic was big business in Ephesus. And so this kind of makes sense a little bit, and we see a cool aspect of God in that God, by his grace at times, is willing to accommodate in order to reach people where they are to then draw them out of their mess in darkness. That God does that by his grace. So it's not a coincidence, I don't think, that God is doing a lot of miraculous, magical things in a context where that's how people respond. But he's not doing it to affirm and say, hey, guys, this is what we need to look for. This is what God did in one city. And then you, you have to ask yourself, and I was really praying about this, because if God really required uh, miracles to affirm the message, then how come he hasn't been doing this through Paul's life in this context for the last 10 years. 
prior to this. So, no, so there is something unique that God does. And this is the thing about God, guys. Sometimes you don't, you don't understand. God is doing his thing. And if he could explain it, we still wouldn't get it. All right? It's like somebody trying to explain to you astro, you know, physicists and, and, and stuff like that. And you can barely add two plus two. Got it? He can explain it well and perfectly. But if you're, if you're not there, you're not going to get it. Right? And so there's things that God, if he could explain it, we still wouldn't get it. But that's the beautiful thing about God is that sometimes God does amazing things through weird, unusual ways. Have you paused? Even for a minute, we were just singing the song Amazing Grace, right? Can you just pause and just think about how ridiculous that song is? Just for a minute. Think about it. How is God's amazing grace displayed? His amazing grace is displayed by the forgiveness of our sins. And how did Jesus accomplish the forgiveness of our sins? He became a Jew who was born from a virgin and got pinned to wood. The end. All right? That was it. Think of that. How does God accomplish the forgiveness of our sin by being nailed to a piece of wood and then raising from the dead three days later? Guys, I don't know. But whatever God does, extraordinary things that sometimes don't make sense. Amen on that? I'm glad that I don't have to figure out how that whole thing worked for my sins to be forgiven. That's why it's amazing grace. It's amazing grace from God. And so it's just pretty cool to see that, but it's also amazing to see, guys, how much he loves us. And have, have you guys ever heard the term online? Have you ever heard this term? That God loves you just the way you are? Anybody? God loves you just the way you are. Is it true? Yes. Is it dangerous? Yes. Depending on how you explain that context. Because if you say God loves you just the way you are, and you mean, oh, meaning I don't got to change, I'm good? Nice. Wrong. That's not the way to do it. Okay? God will receive you just the way you are, and he loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you in that condition. All right? I like the analogy of like an emergency room. All right? Listen, the emergency room, they'll accept you just the way you are, but they love you too much to leave you in the way for the reason that you came to the emergency room. They're going to help you, right? And sometimes it hurts, and sometimes there's a process to it, but that is who God is. So God is doing extraordinary things through um, Paul right now. And then now let's A, B, compare this extraordinary event. And then we're seeing, I mean, some weird things that are happening. And these strange miracles caught the eyes of an interesting group. Let's read the next section. So now it says in verse 13, now some itinerant Jewish exorcists also attempted to pronounce the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I command you by Jesus that Paul preaches. And seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish high priest, they were doing this. And the evil spirits answered back to those Jews. And listen to the answer. They go, um, time out. I know Jesus. I recognize Paul. But who are you? And then it says, the man, the one man who was demonically possessed, who had the evil spirit, jumped on those Jewish uh, exorcists, overpowered them all, prevailed against them, so that they ran out of the house that they were trying to deliver him, naked and wounded. This one dude took out the whole crew. He beat them all up, stripped them naked, and they all left, limping, bloodied, broken noses, who knows? And they all ran out of there naked and exposed. Now, this is weird. 
Again, do you already see what I'm talking about? There's a lot of weird stuff here. We got the things with the rags, and then we got this. What is going on? Well, guys, why did these people, why did these people want to do this? Because they saw Paul doing it. Now, these Jew, all we know about these Jewish itinerant exorcists is that they are far from home, and they are far from the faith. So Ephesus is not in Israel, guys. They're out. They, they went outside, and they went for some reason to Ephesus. Why? Hey, you can see that they're exorcists. So these guys have now adopted and they've uh, kind of joined the big business that's in Ephesus. Yo, you can make a living off of some of this stuff. So not only are they far from home, they are far from the faith. They are far from their Jewish faith and Jewish roots. And look at that. They were even related to a priestly tribe. They're related to the priestly tribe, and there's responsibilities. There's expectations here. But instead, they go, and now they don't want just the things that they've known. They want to seek more. They want more. They want power. They want influence. They want more. And so they go to Ephesus to find it. Guys, let me pause and say and warn all of us here. There is not one Christian who is not, who is not outside of being tempted to do the same thing. There's a lot of Christians who get dissatisfied with the simple things of the faith. And they end up far from faith in search of more, more power, more displays, more experience. And there's a lot of people who end up far from the faith in search of that. That's what happened to these guys here. And so uh, even notice, guys, even the one thing, I've heard this too, and don't let this be you. Don't let this be you because I got to admit this was me at one point. I read that part when it says, uh, I know Jesus, I know Paul, but who are you? I, when I was a, a whole lot more immature, I used to read that and say, Lord, I want to live for you in such a way that demons know my name. I admit it, I prayed like that. I want demons to know my name. When they see me showing up, I was like, oh no, Tito just woke up. Tito woke up. Oh man, what are we going to do now? Tito just woke up. How prideful was I? you've ever prayed this too, guys, listen, I could care less if demons know my name anymore. Because the only name that they know, and every time they hear that name, they shudder in their boots. And that's the name of Jesus. That's the only name that matters. That's the only name that matters. But the thing is that notice that demons can recognize the mark of God on you. They notice, they not they notice Paul, but they notice God in Paul. They notice Christ in Paul. So the idea is not to, not to, can demons recognize you and do demons know your name? No. If a demon right now could look at you and speak, could he see Christ in you? That. Can they see the mark of Christ, the name of Jesus on your life? That is an interesting one. But guys, there's another warning that I encourage you to be careful with. Because did you guys catch the phrase that these guys did? Right? Did you guys catch the phrase? What did the phrase? Look at it. It said, when they wanted to do the same things Paul's were doing, and what was the phrase that they said? In the name of what? I command you. Look at this strong declaration. I command you by Jesus who Paul preaches. Guys, these group of Jewish exorcists, they wanted power apart from a relationship with God. They thought that they could wield the power of God without a relationship with God. Because in the name that this guy Paul preaches, I command you to leave. They wanted to exercise. They thought they, could, they thought they could wield power without a relationship with God. And we saw what happened. It backfired on them. 
Like somebody who's never shot a gun before and with poor frame, they go in and boom, they take the, you've seen those funny, those are hilarious videos, right? You, that happens all the time. There's backfire, right? It knocks them out. They, you know, they lose an eye or whatever. That's what happened to them. They thought they could wield the power of God and boom, it backfired on them. And they were exposed to be fakes and liars and manipulators. Guys, let me pause and say the same thing. You cannot, you and I cannot experience the power of God apart from a relationship with God. It does not work that way. It doesn't work that way. And so there's this weird moment here, right? We're seeing all these things and, and, and Luke is, is highlighting it because the event that just happened actually causes another chain reaction, okay? It caused a chain reaction. And so let's look at that. Let's look at now the extraordinary conversion of the Ephesians. Let's read the last section of the verse today. So at the end of that, they were leaving all naked, wounded. Verse 17, when this became known, what? That the fact that these guys tried to use the name of Jesus in a way, you know, without knowing what they were doing, all right, and it backfired on them, and the demon kicked their butt. With, uh, because of this, when this was known, everyone who was in Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, they became what? afraid. They became afraid, verse uh, 17, and the name of the Lord was held in high esteem. Everybody's like, yo, uh, think twice before you think you can use the name of Jesus. Verse 10, and many who became believers came confessing, disclosing their practices, while many of those who had practiced magic collected their books and burned them in front of everyone, so that they, ca the, the, they calculated their value and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver millions of dollars worth. It's, I think it's like maybe a year's salary for like 137 people. Ridiculous. Um, in this way, the word of the Lord, what? Flourished and prevailed. Guys, what you just read in verse, nine, in verse 20 is the fifth progress report that we have in the book of Acts. So uh, I don't know if, you know, depending on the movie franchises that you watch or different things, right? You see a lot of series and multiple stuff, right? Jurassic Park is, has Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, each with its own trilogy. Star Wars has the, the, the what's it called, saga, the, the Skywalker saga, right? With nine movies in it. The MCU has different phases, the Infinity Saga with like three phases and multiple movies inside. Well, guys, the Book of Acts, look at this, how cool it is. The Book of Acts is the same thing. The Book of Acts has three phases. It has what happened with the Jews in Jerusalem, what happened in Samaria and Judea, and then what happened in the rest of the world. Right now, we are in phase three of the book of Acts. We're in the final phase uh, as we're looking at it. But not only that, there was also six progress reports. And so there's two every time we see that. And we've just bumped into the fifth one. And every time we read a progress report, Luke always says similar things. The word of the Lord flourished and prevailed. Flourished and prevailed. Despite all the opposition that's happening in the world, nothing is stopping Nothing is stopping the advancement of the kingdom. Guys, this is what Jesus talks about when he says that even the gates of hell will not prevail against the advancement of the kingdom of God. And that is something for every believer. Those progress reports should give you hope and faith that despite the negativity, despite that we see things going backwards, maybe in our country or in the world or around us, guys, we have all hope to know that still the devil is O for a million. He hasn't won a battle. He's not going to win the war. It's over, all right? We have positional victory in Jesus Christ, and whatever the enemy throws at the kingdom of God is just going to bounce off like water off a duck's back. That gives us hope. That gives us hope to continue on. 
And so here we see, again, something really weird, right? A lot of extraordinary, unusual things happening. So what is going on? Well, first off, again, everybody freaked out by what, the, what happened to these Ephesian, uh, what happened to these Jewish guys. Because what these Jewish guys thought, they thought spiritual warfare, and they thought the Christian faith was, uh, they were, was like Harry Potter. They were playing Harry Potter out there. All right. I don't know if you've ever seen movies like that, but Harry Potter is nothing but, yo, you cast one spell and then the opposing guy casts the spell. Right. You see Voldemort casting a spell and then Harry Potter casting a spell and they're back and forth. And whichever one lands, the biggest spell at the end wins. And so that's what these guys did. These guys, when they said, I command you in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches, expelliarmus. Wow, that's what they did. OK, that's what they did. They thought that they can just it would. They thought that the magic. Listen, listen, listen. They thought that the power was in how they said the words because they, they saw Paul do it. They saw Paul say phrases, and I'm like, oh, the power is in the phrase. Remember, these guys are all full of magic. They thought they could say the same phrase and do it. Guys, there's a lot of Christians who we do the same thing, man. I've done it too. We see one powerful man or woman of God say something, and we see God do something in a mighty way, and then what we do is, oh, that's how it's done. So now let me say the same thing. And thinking, well, if it worked with that person, then it works with me. Guys, we do the same nonsense. And these guys, these guys are saying some crazy stuff. These guys are saying some crazy stuff, guys. And here's the thing. There's a, I've done this too, and I found phrases, prayers that I used to pray for the longest. I'll give you one. Okay. Lord, I... I pray, a he- I pray a hedge of protection over my family in Jesus' name. You know what that is? That's magic stuff. No, you don't. First off, there's not even a verse that affirms that. The he- there is only one that you can see. It's in the book of Job. And God is the one who sets up a hedge. Right? And first off, if we can set up hedges, who's going to set up a hedge? Bro, I would be like 18-foot concrete walls with snipers and lasers and sharks. That's the kind of, who's going to do a, a hedge? But guys, think about that. If, if the hedge was determined on you, what is that? I set up a hedge of protection over my family. And you got to pray that prayer all the time, right? Because I guess all the, the magic wears out, so you got to keep praying that. So is the, so is the power in your words? No. I say, I used to pray those things all the time. Versus now I'm saying, Lord, we trust in you to protect us and guide. There, that's a little different. You see that? And so there's Christians who, there's, there's prayers that we say all, I guarantee you, if I can keep going, I'm going to mess with all of y'all, but we don't got the time for that. And there's things like, oh my gosh, I pray that all the time. Some of y'all, you prayed that last prayer probably this morning. <laughs> and, so, and so, listen, no, there's better prayers. There's better prayers and just make believe. But there's a lot of times we think, oh, it's magic and we treat it like magic, and it doesn't work that way. And so here we see that, whoa, the name of Jesus, you just can't wield it like you want. It's different than that. And so we see that the name of the Lord had high esteem. Doesn't that sound like a commandment? Do not take the Lord's name in vain. You don't take the Lord's name in vain. How do we take the Lord's name in vain? When we misuse it and abuse it for our purposes, not his glory. When you attach... Thus saith the Lord to something when he didn't say. When you say things like that, there are people who use the name of Jesus to manipulate people and to pretend to be the Holy Spirit in somebody's life. This is why we always got to test the spirits. Always. I don't care if they put your daddy's name on it. 
Don't trust it at first, okay? Don't trust it at first. You confirm it. So anyways, here, there's amazing revival. And what do we see happening? They're doing two things. They are... Um, I lost it. There it is. They are disclosing their secrets and burning their books. So, guys, this is the stuff right now, which I, for, I, I apologize last week, kind of, not really. I'm like, sorry, not sorry. What I told you is like, there's a thousand other things that I can preach and ways that I can preach that I feel like I can keep you more entertained and lively and get you going. But I'm telling you, I know by cruising through and looking at this, I do not apologize for how I'm doing stuff. Because the more you can get in God's word, the more God's word is going to move and work in your life. And so look at this. What do we see? They do two things. They disclose secrets and burn their books. All right? Why? Again, why? Because what is Ephesus big business? What's Ephesus big business online? Type it. Guys out here, what's the big business in Ephesus? Magic. And so do, it's not a coincidence that what are they doing? They are disclosing their secrets. Do you guys know what? Uh, there's something about new age, new age occultic practices that still happen today. Okay, occultic practices, pagan practices, dark magic that happens now. And do you know where the power lies both back then and now? The power of demonic magic lies in the secret. You don't disclose the spell. Because if you disclose the spell and you make it known, it loses its power. And so the power of demonic dark magic is in the in the secret of it. So you do things in the background. You never do things out loud. You do it in the background. And so this is very much like the Wizard of Oz, right? Where you think the great and mighty Oz, and once you pull the curtain, it's just some weird dude just sitting there pulling levers, all right? That's what's happening. And so when they are disclosing their secrets, they are literally saying, these are people who have now encountered true power. Again, if you're dealing with magic, what are you dealing with? You're doing it for power and experience. And so they are finding power and experience in Christ, in the gospel that they have not found anywhere else. And so for them to disclose those magic practices is them declaring that darkness has no power, that darkness has no hope, but is the power of God alone. And the power of God alone, because the power that the wicked, that darkness has is in the secret. Guys, same thing for us today. The power of sin in your life is magnified when you keep it a secret. When you keep that private sin a secret and you just think you can just deal with it quietly without knowing. Well, at least I confess to God. Yes, number one, you should. But there's also a power that the apostle, the, that um, Pastor James later, he says, notice, confess your sins to one another and you will be healed. Now, does, what does that mean? Because again, guys, you, we all know this. Some of us, have you ever been eaten alive? Literally, it feels like you're being eaten from the inside when you hold a secret, right? That dark, I think we've all been there. When you're holding a bad secret, something you've done, and it eats away at you. It's something that actually can cause phys physical sickness in your life because of that. And so what is the, the power of the grip of the enemy is when you keep it a secret, when you keep darkness a secret. But James says, no, if you confess your sins, then you will be healed. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, he says, we are called to expose darkness. Why do we expose darkness? Because we show it for what it is, powerless and weakless, weak compared to the power of God. We disclose and expose wickedness in this world. That is what we are called to do. That's what they are doing. They are literally letting it all out, and they are letting the light of God enter. 
And so that is super cool. And guys, that's my challenge to you today as well. Hey, if you've walked in here and you're like, man, I don't know why I'm not growing. I don't know why I'm, I'm listen, there could be Christians. You can slow down your growth when you have unchecked, quiet sin that you have not confessed. That's a big one. That's, that's one thing for another. If you, you know, online later today, if you need that, I can talk. We can talk. It's a big deal. There's a reason why it says, hey, you, there is healing, spiritual, emotional, mental healing. I really do think a lot of the mental health issues today is because everybody's pretending. Everybody is pretending. They're, they're lying to themselves and they're trying, they're keeping the truth to themselves and they're lying in secret and then they're being eaten away from the inside out. No, there is mental, spiritual, physical, emotional healing when we confess our sins to the Lord and to one another. It's huge. And so not only that, they disclosed, they, they disclosed their secrets and then they burned their books, right? Some of us have probably had Christian experiences like this. When you first became a believer, you started getting rid of a bunch of stuff, right? You started getting rid of all this stuff. Anybody ever been there? Some of us have maybe online. I know we, we see some head nods. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. But there's some times when you become a believer, you're like, oh my gosh, you're so amazed. You start looking at your life and you start looking at things like saying, man, I thought this was fun. I thought, forget this. I don't need this anymore. I don't need this anymore. I don't need it. All I have, what I've been looking for is in Christ. You guys, some of you remember that feeling. And so that's what's happening here. They're like, we don't need magic to feel significant. They would go to, they would come up with magic spells in order for protection and for blessing. I bless my finances. I bless my finances in the name of whatever. And they would do things. I protect my family. I do this. They were putting all of their faith in their magical words for blessing, for life, for prosperity. And the fact that they're burning these books in public, it said, this is a public rejection and uh, a public rejection of all of these things they are declaring no it is the lord jesus my faith now relies not in my magic it really it relies in my maker that is where my faith is my significance my hope all of these things is not in magic it's in my maker it's in the messiah not in magic but in the messiah and so they burn these books and you guys interesting detail that luke says how much was it man a lot of money See, here's the other thing, guys, about back then, these magic spells in Ephesus. Big business, all right? I'm not, I'm not nerding y'all out, am I? All right, because I'm telling you, this is some things here. They would buy these magic books as, like, mutual funds, the way we buy mutual funds, real estate, and stocks, all right? It was an investment. If you can get a magic book, a spell, a book of magic, that was worth a lot of money. And the older the book, the more money it was. And so you could, you know, retire one day off of one of these books. You know, again, it was the equivalent of uh, millions and millions and millions of dollars. First, for a lot of people, not only was there um, security in the magic spell, but also in the books. It was their retirement. It was how they were going to provide for their family in the future. And the fact that they are cutting all of this off. Now, I'm not saying that mutual funds and stocks and none of those things are a bad thing. It's not. But what they were doing was they were recognizing, no, I do not need to put my faith in trust, in security, in wickedness, and in darkness, but in Christ alone. That's what that is. And so it's just really cool to be able to see what they're doing. Amazing things is happening. And so that's how it ends. And then the word of the Lord is continuing to flourish. And so what do we do with all of these weird texts, right? Well, let's look. See, now I want to kind of look at all of that. What's happening through Paul? What happened to these exorcists? What is happening to these Ephesians? And then looking at the extraordinary experience that we as believers have. 
All right? Now, check this out. We, what we've been looking at, guys, is the origin story of the church in Ephesus. Right? This is the Ephesian church that started. What happened? What's the context of that city? Well, when you look back at the book of Ephesians now, which is a letter that Paul... Excuse me, man. I'm getting way too excited this morning. Sorry. Okay. So, when we look at the Ephesians, what has happened in this context? So, when you look back at the book of Ephesians, guys... It's going to make a, you're going to read it a whole lot differently. Because do you know what is the major theme of the book of the Ephesians, the letter that he writes to the Ephesians? It's about power. It's about power. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. I'll give it up for John. All right. <laughs> anyway, so the le- when you read the letter to the Ephesians, guys, it is all about power. Why? Because that's what the Ephesians like. That's what the Ephesians do. They're in that they're seeking not only power to live and power to wield. And so when you look at the book of Ephesians, it's all about power. It's all about spiritual warfare. Again, the reason why these guys got into magic is because they recognized there is evil forces in this world. And so they were putting their faith on their own words, right? You know, there was no Hogwarts, I guess. Maybe there was a Hogwarts back then for them to go to. And then so they're learning how to practice the spells and do different things like that. That's the Ephesians. That's the context from where they're from. And so he's trying to help them see, no, see, we don't wield, we do not wield and go against spiritual warfare with darkness. You don't fight darkness with darkness. You fight darkness with what? Light. And so check this out. Look, let me read one thing. I don't have a verse for you guys, but I'm just going to read a section. Look at the verse of Ephesians and the word power shows up all throughout the book of Ephesians. Let me read his opening prayer. Paul opens up his letter, introducing them. Hey, you know, I I miss you guys. This is who I am. Thank you for all these things. He's telling them about God one more time. And then he says, this is why. He says, this is why, since I have heard of your faith in the Lord. This is uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. I've heard of your great faith in the Lord. And we just read about their great faith and how they're putting their faith, not in their magic, not in their this, but in Christ. I've heard of your great faith and your great love for one another which is the most important thing we're supposed to do. He says, I see these things and I never stop thanking God for you. And I remember you in my prayers. And then he shares his prayer. He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, will give you a spirit of, listen, wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Christ. He says, my biggest prayer for you is for you to recognize and continue to look and grow in your knowledge of who God is. And then he continues on and says, I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. This is the past. He says, I pray that when you look back at your conversion, I pray that you look back at when you received hope, when the salvation call came and you responded. I pray that you may look back at that conversion and appreciate it and grow in your understanding even more about what happened when you called on the name of Jesus. Look to the past. I pray that you may get a greater understanding of the past. In the next verse, he says, I pray that you may may know what is the wealth of the glorious inheritance in the saints. Guys, this is the future. He says, oh, that you may know the future inheritance that, it, that God is going to do in the reigning in the new kingdom when he returns. Oh, that you may know and gain a greater understanding for what God has done. May you gain a greater understanding for what God is going to do. And then look at this phrase. And that you may grow and know that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened. And that you may know what is the immeasurable 
greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the mighty work of his strength when, that he displayed when he rose Christ from the dead. So you see their, their power there? And so that is the present. He says, oh, that you may know, that you may grow in the knowledge of God, that you may come to know what he's done for you. May you come to grow and know what he's wanting still to do. And may you come to grow and know what he desires to do in your life today, in the present, because that power is for us to experience today. That is what he is talking about there. And you know what he does? When he talks about power, and the book of Revelations, I'm sorry, Ephesians ends with, with a very familiar, I've talked to a lot of you guys. Who does not love the book, Ephesians chapter 6, if you're a Christian, you know this. There's the armor of God there, right? At the, no, again, why the armor of God of the Ephesians? Because they're used to, they're, they're, they're wanting to do spiritual warfare. They understand, you, hopefully this makes even more sense, why Paul used that illustration for them. We've talked about the armor of God this last Wednesday, and we talked about it earlier this year. But a lot of times, we look at the, the illustration to explain what it is. Where Paul says, oh, that you may know that power. And what does that power look like? Well, let me show you this armor that it does. This is how you wield that power because the, the, you put on the armor of God, which is truth like a belt and, and righteousness like a breastplate. And what is it? There's the gospel of peace, which is like shoes on your feet. There's salvation, which acts like a helmet for you. There's faith. That acts like a shield and a sword of the Spirit, which is the truth. That acts like a sword. And so you know what we do? A lot of times we see, well, what, is, what does shoes teach me about the gospel? What, what, is, what does the belt help me to understand what is truth? What is, how does the shield teach me what faith is? That's not wrong. We've done that this year. But here's the thing. Paul, when he mentions truth, salvation, righteousness, peace, spirit, he's been talking about it the entire letter. Actually, those words are mentioned a comboed 33 times in the book of Ephesians. When he says that you may know the power that is available to you in Christ Jesus, he explains what truth looks like. What Before he even gives the illustration of the armor, he's saying this is the truth. This is what light is. This is what the spirit is. This is what salvation is. This is what righteousness is. This is what gospel is. This is what the peace is. This is what unity looks like. He has spent the whole letter. So guys, if you want to learn what the armor of God looks like, don't look at the illustration. Look at the rest of the letter. Because he's literally explaining it. The illustration is just the final thing. But see, even that, when he says, put on the armor of God, I got to be honest, I did this too. And I'm so embarrassed, but I'm going to expose myself so you guys don't have to. I'm confessing. Here we go. How do we put on that armor? How do we put on that armor? Because he says, put on the armor of God, which is truth. It's nothing but an armor of light. I've heard it said this way, and I'm so embarrassed, but here we go. All right. I've heard somebody say, listen, in the same way that you, before you leave home, you get dressed. You would not dare leave home without getting dressed. Before you leave your house, you better get spiritually dressed, and you better put on the armor of God before you leave. And so what do people do? I put on the helmet of salvation in the name of Jesus. I put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of the Spirit in Jesus' name. I put on the belt of truth and pick up the shield of faith and I pick up the sword of the Spirit and now I am ready to face the day. Come and get me. Do you know what that sounds like? That sounds like more Harry Potter stuff. I put on the helmet of salvation. Are these things put on because you have to declare it? No. 
No. Oh, oh my, you know, oh my God, why am I dealing with such mental, oh, I forgot to put the helmet on. Oh my gosh. Oh, I put on the helmet of salvation in Jesus' name, right? And so no wonder I was dealing with fear and anxiety and confusion in my thoughts. Oh no, I forgot to pick it up. That is so works-based. I used to pray those prayers because that's what I thought you did. Because I heard someone do it. Again, these exorcists, what did they do? What did they do? They started saying things because they heard Paul say it. They didn't verify and check if it was true. First of all, they didn't even believe. Guys, you don't put on the armor of God by declaring it. Okay, for my office fans, right? Just because you declare bankruptcy doesn't mean, hey, oh, I declared it. No, you have to do more than just declare. Okay, there's more to it than that. You put on the armor, the more the truth, which is the armor, is put in you. You put it on, the more you, it gets put in you. The more you, the eyes of your heart is enlightened, that you may know that he prays. What is it again? That the wisdom of revelation and the knowledge of Christ. The more you know God, the more you come to realize the helmet of salvation that he has placed on you. It's there. If you are in Christ, it's there. The reality is, guys, that the enemy does not want us to operate from this. He wants us to operate in our strength. And so when you, instead of wielding the sword of the spirit, you're going to wield magic spells and Christian-y phrases, you're, that's, a, that's a limp sword you're swinging. That's a dull sword. You're not going to do nothing with that one. Am I bothering some of you? I hope so. Okay? Yes or no? I hope so. That is not how we wield warfare. Guys, this one bothers me. You, there is no verse that says that you can bind and rebuke the devil. You can't do it. I've prayed these prayers. I rebuke you, devil, in the name of Jesus. We bind you according to the work that is in my Again, if we can bind the devil... Why does the scripture says he's roaming like a roaring lion? He's not bound. And if he can bind him, that would be easy. Let's all just get together, get in a little chance, do a little circle, bind the dude, and then we're done. Right? Let's pack it, go home. Right? And so if that's the case, then are we binding him? And is there some witch out there unbinding the dude? And so now who we are, back to Harry Potter again. Right? Casting different spells. Is that how it works? No. We can't bind him. We can't rebuke. So how do we do spiritual warfare? Because we think those things. And again, look how silly this is. I'm going to use an, an obnoxious analogy. A lot of people out there, is a lot, and I'm doing this too, and I'm trying to learn, guys. I'm, I, not that I figured it out. I'm just trying to learn. And I'm trying to help you cast off some random stuff that was messing with me. That is like, no wonder I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with some things. I'm, I'm shooting blanks. I'm shooting blanks out here with this. This isn't truth. I'm shooting blanks. There's a lot of Christianity, a lot of spiritual warfare stuff that's outside that is nothing but, nothing but uh, Dora the Explorer Dora, spiritual warfare. Anybody familiar with that show? If you remember Dora, okay? Got Dora, got boots, running around, doing their thing, right? Talking to you, and you're answering back like, you know, Dora knows you're listening, whatever. But then there's another one. Who remembers? Swiper. Now, who remembers the fox? Right? There's always something, and you see him. He's sneaking. No one sees him. No one sees him except you. And the kids, oh, turn around. Dora's right there. Right? And so, and Dora's, you know, laughing, oblivious. And there, he, right as he's about to steal something. He, and it's easy. He's about to steal. Guys, come on. Type it online just for, hey, what, 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 what does Dora say? What does Boots say? Swiper, no swiping. Swiper, no swiping. Swiper, no swiping. 
And then collectively Swiper responds with a, oh man, watch. So the fact that she does a, an enchantment of three repetitions, now the fox is, oh man, now I can't steal it. Dude, you're a fox. You can grab it, it's right there. No one's gonna stop you. Dora is a little elementary girl with cankles. She's not gonna catch you. She's not gonna catch you. But what is it about the fact that he just says, swiper, no swiping, swiper, no swiping? Guys, let me tell you, there's a lot of Christian prayers that it sounds like that. And we think, oh, you know, oh gosh, I'm gonna go there. Fine. This is not, I like this movie. I've liked this movie. There's a movie called War Room. I like it. But there's a prayer in there where the lady goes and she says, devil, you can't have my family. And so I cast you out in Jesus' name. That's like saying, let's hear the devil's going to get your family. But devil, no swiping, devil, no swiping, devil, no swiping. You think the devil's going to, oh, man, because you, you casted a spell on him? Now, can you pray that prayer and it be wrong? Listen, if all you do is pray, devil, you can't have my family, and you never talk to your family about Christ, your family's gone. Your family is gone. All right? Just because you said it doesn't mean now you can sit back and relax and not do the hard work that you're supposed to do. The real work that you're supposed to do out here with the spaghetti noodle thinking you're doing something when you got a sword at your disposal. You feel me? You hearing me? And so the thing, guys, is listen, we have to avoid these things. So then what is it then? What is it then if it's not that? What is it? I really, I'm going to, I'm causing more questions than answers and good. Wrestle with these. All right. And you can hit me up later. Just not at two in the morning, please. Okay. But I'm, I'm hoping I'm giving you more questions to think about because uh, with the things that we are seeing in this world, the things that we're experiencing in our church, in your life, you don't need to go shoot and, and start slapping the enemy with a wet noodle. You need the real deal. We need the real thing according to what we're seeing in this world. And so what if we're seeing so much wickedness out there because much of our spiritual warfare is nothing but Harry Potter door stuff. And the enemy's like, oh, just keep doing that. Keep doing that. Okay, I'll say this one too. The devil and demons, they don't care about you not knowing Bible verses. They're fine with that. They just want you to misunderstand and misapply them. Because then it, look how genius they are. Again, I'm out here exposing secrets, all right? Not, and this is not a secret that the God told me. No, this is just plain as day, all right? This is what it is here. The enemy would love for you to misunderstand and misapply the word. Why? Because first off, you miss. If you misunderstand and misapply the word, you're going to miss them. And you're thinking that you're actually doing and doing what you're supposed to do. And you're all confident. And they are laughing, laughing in your face. That is not the kind of warfare that we're supposed to wield. So then what is it? Well, he tells the church in Corinth. Paul actually mentions, and look, the, uh, what's happening in Corinth is there's a lot of similarities. I mean, Paul went from Corinth to Ephesus. And so there's some really cool things that we're just bouncing back and forth on. Paul tells the Corinthian church, who the Corinthian church was all about the experience. They were all about, again, the same, the supernatural. And look what he tells the Corinthian church in chapter 10. I'm going to read it to you, verse 3 and 6. He says, for although we live in this flesh, we live in this world, we do not wage war according to the flesh. 
For although we live in this flesh, we don't wage war according to the flesh, since the weapons of our warfare are not flesh. Guys, when you are saying magical spells, you are using the flesh. The power of your words and the power of your incantation. That's not how we do it. So what is it? He says, but our, ours are more powerful. There's that word again that he uses even for these guys who are all about experience and power. He says, the, the weapons that we have are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. Now, there it is. So now we can take, take the truth and we're going to demolish demonic strongholds in Jesus' name. What does that look like? Well, I'm glad Paul kept going and I'm going to keep going. What does these strongholds look like? Where are they? He says that we demolish strongholds. Next verse. We demolish. There's the word again. You ready for the stronghold? Arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Do you know? the As Christians now, I'm going to talk to you. Do you know what the strongholds that we are supposed to confront and expose? The demonic lies that have a stronghold in the minds and hearts of people. And how do you expose and demolish the arguments and lies that keep people from knowing God? Again, what was his prayer? Oh, that you may know God. And then all Paul does in the book of Ephesus is tear down argument after argument so that they can know what his truth looked like and salvation and righteousness. He's telling the Ephesians, what does it look like to do spiritual warfare? With truth. When you know truth, what did, when the devil came at Jesus with Bible verses, what did Jesus do? Did he, devil, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. What did he do? Uh, it's written. It's written. It's written. And we're out here. I rebuke you because I said it. Lies. Guys, listen. That, what, that is what we do. So listen, how do we, you know, when it comes to, oh, what do we do with demons? And how do we cast out demons? Shine light. Shine light. Tell people about that. What, what matters is not so much because, hey, if you deliver a person from their demons and that person's not saved, you set them up for being worse than, than what you did before. You did nothing. You did nothing if that person is not saved. How can you deliver someone from the demonic strongholds that's in their life? Tell that person about the love of Jesus. Tell them about the gospel. Tell them truth. Now, for you to know truth, that means you got to know it. That's why I am not apologizing for doing these kind of stuff because I'm getting you to chew on this stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to load your clips up, spiritual clips. I know Twitter's going to get me on that last one. Oh, my gosh. And so, you feel me? There it is. That's what matters here. This is what we do. And so we wage war like this. This is why Paul says when you have all this power, in the book of Ephesians, he says you got this power in you to wield it like Jesus? No. He says you got this power and get ready. Here's the one thing you do. You put on the armor. You put on the power of truth and stand. That's it. What do you do with the armor? Stand. Stand your ground and walk. That's it. To, to stand means to believe in these things, truly, continually grow. And to walk is to live it. So we, we do spiritual warfare, guys, the more when we walk in the truth of God, when we walk in the love of God, when we walk in Christ, when we walk according to the spirit of God and the truth, not our flesh. Now we're cooking with some grease, okay? Now we're cooking in now we're cooking with grease when we do and operate in this way. Because the reality is, guys, I said that one statement, and I'm gonna we're gonna get ready. I think I'm doing good on time. Here we go. He says, Oh, that you may know. Paul's prayer to the Ephesians, that you may know the immeasurable power 
that is working in you. Christ Jesus. Some people read that and say, oh yeah, here we go. I have God, the authority, that, this is, hey, this is biblical. God, all authority is given in Christ Jesus. Paul talks about that in the Ephesians. All power is in Christ. And there's, and does not Christ give us authority in his name? Does not Christ give us authority? So what do we do with that authority and power? How do we wield it? Jesus would talk about it all the time. He says, pray and do according to my will. A lot of times people think, oh, I got this power. And they wield it according to their will. They wield it according to their will, and they put a Jesus thing on it. And they put a Jesus stamp on it. And thinking they're doing it right. And it's not. It's ineffective. Because, listen, you and I are all, we all, we all have the same tendency that Eve had. You know what Eve, and, uh, Eve had at the, in the garden? She had a God complex. Hey, Eve, you can be everything that God is. You can be God. He don't want him. He don't want you to win. He don't want you to win. He wants, you can be him. She had a God complex. Guys, we have that God complex. Now, a lot of, there's a lot of Christians who still have a God complex, and they think, oh, we got power, so I can wield it like Christ. No. See, Jesus had all authority and all power, but Jesus wielded it uniquely. Oh, but God, Pastor, oh, no, I got you, Pastor. What about the verse that it says, and you will do even greater things than I have ever done? Oh, you, you thought I was going to let that one slide? I saw it coming, all right? I saw it coming. What about that one? And you can do greater things. There's a lot of very insecure people who read that and say, I can do great things for God. I can do great things for God too. There's a lot of very insecure people that they just want to do great things for God to affirm how great they are in front of people. And by the way, when Jesus said, and you will do greater things than I ever did. First off, were you there? Nope. How do you know he's talking to you? Okay, number one. And it, uh, that is not a singular you. He's saying you as a church. Guys, the church over the last 2,000 years has preached to more people than Christ ever did. The church has traveled the globe more than Christ ever did in human body. The, ch the church has healed more people physically through medicine and through prayer than Christ ever did. All right? The church today has fed more hungry people than Christ ever did. You see what I'm saying? Is, was Jesus a liar? No. For the, for the church, his body, it's, by the way, it is still him doing it. It is him in us. He's still doing it. He's still doing it. And he's doing it great. But the power is not you. It's God in you. And it's just because, listen, just because, oh, but I want to do things. All right, you going to go walk on water? Go ahead, try that. Oh, I, Jesus walked on water. You going to walk on water? All right? Jesus fed a lot of people with some lunch. I'd love to see that one. Okay? Jesus died and rose himself from the dead. <laughs> there we go. Listen, am I saying that God cannot move and do something supernatural in somebody's life? That's not what I'm saying either. I'm not saying that God can't move supernaturally in a unique, weird way. But when Luke says this, this was extraordinary miracles, he's describing something that was unusual, meaning not normative. Not normative means you and I aren't out here supposed to be blessing people's lunches and oh, there it is. All right? Doesn't work that way. So what do we do with this power? 
if we have this great power, then what is it for then if it's not for me to wield and to do and to take out demons and put them on the nets? What do we do with it then? He said it. Did you catch it? He said what to do with it. You may have great power. For what? That you may know and have a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may have wisdom and understanding of who God is. I know a lot of this can be a little tricky. And the main thing that I want to make sure to communicate with you today is this, that the extraordinary work of God is always rooted in the ordinary, pondering and practicing and proclaiming of the word of God and the presence of God. That's where I want to leave you to linger. Because God can and does do extraordinary, unusual things. And he does some things differently in some people here and there in different places in the world through different people. It is what it is. God does do, and we should give space for God to do extraordinary things. But we make sure that the extraordinary is always rooted in the ordinary, pondering and practicing and proclaiming of the word of God. Because we cannot wield the power of God according to our will and false assumptions. If we misapply verses that we misunderstand, then it doesn't land. That's why we need to constantly spend time in Scripture with the Word of God, with the people of God, in the presence of God, so that the Spirit of the living God may continue to form and reform us. Not just inform us, but then transform us by His power so that He can operate in our lives in whatever way he chooses, because he is desiring to do a mighty work in the lives of people. And a lot of times, that mighty work doesn't look like the way we would assume a mighty work is. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But the Lord is good. The Lord is gracious. The Lord is kind. But remember, the Lord has all authority, meaning that the enemy's power is not all-powerful. That's what that means, that the enemy's power is not all-powerful. All authority has been given in Christ Jesus, and he lends us that. Like, we have access to that, not to wield it like if we were a god, and that's how some people do. They say, well, we can wield the authority because we are little gods. No, we wield it submitting to the one true God, submitting to the word of God, to the truth of God, to the the power of God not in our own, not in our wisdom, not in our strength. That is what we do. And so then what does this authority mean that we have? It means that when we ponder and practice and proclaim the truth of God, the more we live it, the more we share it, that there is no power of darkness that can stand against us. That is what that means. There is not a sin There is not a sin, there is not a stronghold that the Lord cannot deliver somebody from. There is not a sin that somebody can't repent of and the Lord set them free. God is all powerful. And the enemy cannot keep you from knowing God. His authority is now limited. It was exposed. The enemy's authority and power is exposed to be nothing. Scripture says Jesus modeled and showed and exposed darkness and the devil and all those things he exposed it on the cross for what it was defeated and so the fact that 
Literally, the enemy cannot keep you from knowing God other than your agreement. So I want to challenge you. For those of you that are not believers in Christ Jesus, trust in him. For Jesus loves you and he died for you. And I know it sounds silly, but when you put your faith and trust in Christ, he does something supernatural in your life. And for every believer, let me continue to just challenge you to keep pressing in. Don't just make assumptions of what you think you know. Keep pressing in because what you know needs to be continually even refined even more. We are all on this journey to be lifelong learners. That's important. And may we continue to allow the spirit to lead us further into the truth so that that same truth can work in us and through us.